clean cut but morally corrupt, it's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. This week, we end with the Sad Wolves. Do we end with Turbo? And this is the end, my friend. This is the end. As always, I'm joined by Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison Sports Podcasting, and the Onyx to my biohazard. Uh, do you get that reference, Kyle? I, I don't, but I feel like I feel like I should know it. You know, you know who's gonna be all over that reference because I feel like this was a seminal moment in his uh, in his youth. Chairman Schmidt, uh, with whom we're also coming to the end. It's the end of his three year uh, stint as president of the flock. So, uh, you know, uh, congratulations to him on on not being subjected to a palace coup, no violent uprising. Um, but we'll we'll talk more. Um, we're going to do kind of a bigger picture recap uh, show next week. Um, talk more about you know maybe his his lasting influence on the flock and so on. But uh, you know, Mazel Tov to Andrew for that, um, and and congratulations. And hopefully you'll remember to uh, you know now start spending some time with your wife, um, who I'm sure has missed you in the last three years since you've been married to the flock. Um, but my my question this week, uh, Kyle. Uh, as always, we open with a question is more frightening going into a tackle with Josiah Trimmingham or Liam dressed as Bert from Bert and Ernie. Definitely Liam. Definitely. That was quite the costume. It was, I, I, if you saw the screenshot in the flock uh, Slack channel, it was a terrifying image. It's like, that is what people got for their lasting image before going to bed. And that is absolutely terrifying. Um, I would not want to see that walking down a dark alley. <laughs> no, or even really, you know, is plenty well lit uh, at Bree Stevens. And uh, I wouldn't want to uh, experience that again. Um, it was, it was, so it was funny too. I was watching the, I was rewatching the match and they zoom in on him as, as uh, you know, good friend of the pod, uh, Sarah Scott mentioned, who celebrated a birthday, by the way, after uh, the match on the 31st. Uh, she shares that birthday with uh, none other than the legendary father of the pod or one of the fathers of the pod, my father, uh, who is also a Halloween uh, birthday. Um, so happy birthday to, to Sarah. And uh, also saw on the Slack that Ian uh, Posdall, uh, the leader of the of the um, capos, the the song and dance man of the flock, also celebrated a birthday today, I believe. So happy birthday yesterday! To Ian. Yesterday, yeah. So happy birthday to Ian. But uh, in any case, they cut to Liam, and they cut to him at various points, you know, in the crowd, and the the announcer of the game, you know, that's a very scary looking Bert. And uh, you, you just wanted him to say, my God, does that guy look creepy in that costume? <laughs> it, you yeah, know, it, it really was like I saw him at Brass Ring and that was terrifying. And I was like, who the hell would wear this? And then I put two and two together, figured it out. Uh, but I was still like, 
Oof. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah, like I said, would not want to run into it in a dark alley. Now, the reference I'm going to make is like an old man reference, but uh, I think it was John Wayne Great Gacy who used to do paintings of clowns, and they were just kind of terrifying paintings of clowns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And he that costume made me think of a John Wayne Gacy painting of a clown. Like, just a terrifying, terrifying experience. Uh, are you glad you didn't bring uh, Sterling and Desmond to the match? Because that might have turned them off from Sesame Street forever. Desmond would have just not cared. He would have probably been fine. Sterling, I think, would have been scarred for life. Um, yeah. yeah, Sterling is already in the stranger danger phase, and that would not have helped. <laughs> what did uh, what did the kids go with for, for Halloween costumes this year, by the way? For Sterling, he went as a lion. Uh, we took him trick-or-treating, so went to Emma's parents' neighborhood over on the east side and walked around. He loved going around, grabbing candy, putting it in his bag. That was his favorite thing to do. Uh, Desmond, it was too cold, but he wore a Batman onesie and had a cape with it. So that was that was their Halloween costumes. The, 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 uh, I have to say the best costume I saw in the whole of the internet, uh, though uh, Sterling was very cute as a lion, I have to say. Uh, a kid wanted to go just as pants. I don't know if you saw this on the Twitter or the Instagram. Did not, but going as pants, that's it. That's not a bad option, to be honest. And honestly, I am surprised that there wasn't as many Ted Lasso costumes or Squid Game costumes. I, yeah. I am surprised there wasn't that many. Uh, I did see some, some, uh, but so the pants costume, all the kid was, was obviously somebody's jeans that were too big. Yeah. And just with the armholes cut out, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that there wasn't more Ted Lasso related stuff. Um, I thought that was going to, you know, based on what I had seen on Twitter, I thought everybody was going to show up. dressed. I think Mitt Romney ruined it for everyone. I think everyone uh, was you know, going to do it. And then Mitt Romney yeah. fucked it all up. <laughs> There was just a quick, yeah, everybody, everybody changed very quickly. Um, you know, if you, God, you know, no, uh, anyhow, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> carrying on, uh, moving on, uh, by the way, it was good to see. I don't know if you got to chat much with, uh, you know, famed co-host of the pod, uh, Dan Fallon. Um, yes, I got to talk to him for a little bit. I did not ask him where he had been. Uh, I, I said I'll be nice to him for that. But, yeah, I talked to him before the match, a little bit after the match. And, yeah, it was good to see him. It was good to well, see him. Well, and so, and and uh, great move there, by the way, from Sarah Scott, aforementioned, uh, who, along with uh, Kelly Ferguson, who snapped the, the photo of Dan Fallon next to Carmen. Where in the world is Dan Fallon, San Diego, um, which I'm told is German for whale's vagina. Um Santiago, not San San Diego, um, uh, was uh, was there uh, with the mask, wondering where Dan was. So I appreciated that. Dan, I don't know if you heard this, promptly flew out the next day to Las Vegas to go see fish. Um, Sounds about right. Sounds yeah. about right. So uh, he said he, uh, you know, uh, was not in uh, going shape uh, on on Monday, from the sound of things. Um, what I really enjoyed is he did mention that he again petted the pet, the, the cows for about 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, operating on all cylinders right now is Dan. He Fallon. is, he is on form. He is yeah. currently on form. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pretty big, uh, win. Uh, I think two of the big, just from perspective, by the way, uh, highlights of the year, uh, uh on Saturday night, uh, 
in the flock end, you got to see that Enrique's goal. And that's kind of our first key point, which was que golazo from Christian Enriquez. It was his first professional goal. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, you know, offensive performance was pretty good. Yeah, they should have had three goals and one of them got incorrectly ruled up for offside. But the free kick, it was a beautiful free kick. It was one of those because I thought Aaron Malloy was going to take it. And I think a lot, I think everyone was expecting him to take it. So when he kind of dummied over it, it then I think threw everyone through the Chattanooga wall off. And then Enriquez, I mean, that was no one is going to save that. It was perfectly placed in the upper right corner. It was a perfect free kick dipped right when it needed to I saw the whole thing. It was awesome. Kind of got the best seats to see it, but besides yeah, the no, <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to see much better. Yeah. Uh, site, you know, great free kick to it even had, you know, went over the wall and dipped a little bit in, you know, wasn't pure upper 90, but was pretty darn close. Um, and, you know, it was interesting, actually, I listened to and, and uh, um, you know, they gave us I'm like a Kendall from Succession. If there's a mention of me on the on the Internet, I'm going to check it out. So they gave us a shout out on the Talk and Flock podcast, uh, Rob Chappell and, and Jeremy Rushing. They did. Uh, and, they did. We and, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just here for the mentions. Um, uh, uh, and so. Um, if you watch Succession, by the way, that that previous joke was pretty good. Because uh, I, I don't have cable because I am cheap and broke. <laughs> uh, well, and and you have to subscribe to 800 different soccer channels to follow the four teams that you follow on four continents. Exactly. Priorities. Four continents. Yeah. Um, in in any case, they, they said Aaron Malloy was talking about it and they, you know, because they do actual journalism things like interview the players, things like that. I don't know yeah. why you would do that, but, you know, fine. But Aaron Malloy said that, you know, he'd been taking the free kicks all year. He's done pretty well, but he said in practice this week, Enriquez had surpassed him. And so that's when they kind of decided to, to lay it off. First set piece goal we've had in a while as well. Um, and, and I think are we not counting the two, second one against Tucson? Does that it does that not count, or is it just? It that's an honest question, in. huh? That that was an honest question. Does the second one against Tucson last week not count? Because um, that scramble was off of a corner. Yeah, we'll allow it. We'll All allow right. it. So two weeks first, in a row, set piece first, goal. Yeah, first pretty set piece goal. That's, <laughs> That's fair. fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> first set piece goal that felt like it was, uh, they were trying to do it that, that way. That was actually by design. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, but uh, Aaron Malloy, uh, despite not scoring that set piece goal, also, you know, I think laid down with the flexing on him. Uh, that goal certainly flexed on him. But at the end of the game there, you know, basically showing off, um, those, uh, I guess we'd call them biceps. I mean, Aaron Malloy is jacked like I am. I mean, he doesn't seem like, you know, uh, he's ripped, but I mean, uh, he doesn't have the dad biceps. Like he doesn't have the meat. He doesn't have my biceps where it's just purely from being a father, but he, he, there, there's some flexing going on. I mean, there was definitely- it's too bad. We don't have an, uh, we'll put this out for a Twitter poll. If I knew how to do Twitter polls. Um, you know, better biceps, Aaron Malloy or Kyle Carr. <laughs> I think we could put that out there and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, loyal listeners can help us and, and assemble pictures of each and, you know, oh maybe, maybe we'll <laughs> the tail of the tape, we can measure them. 
Um, I, I think we get, I think the edge went to you on body parts over Fallon's caps, right? We, yes. we decided yes. yeah. it was by slim margin, but yes. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll find out who has better biceps. I think that would, you know, be a good thing to investigate. But so that was a pretty cool moment at the end of the end of the match there. The, the, uh, flexing on him, the kerfuffle that the happened. Kerfuffle. Yep. Um, and, uh, y- you know, and credit to, to, I mean, Aaron Malay got kicked all game by, by them. And, you know, I think this is, what teams do to a player like Aaron Malloy, um, you know, who just is the engine room for forward Madison, you know, touches the ball a lot, moves it around and, and can create a lot. And so then you, you know, you just try to disrupt that, just kick it. And, and, you know, and fortunately um, as this, the announcer noted a couple of times on the broadcast forward Madison did not receive a red card all year. So, you know, um, props to, to Aaron Malloy for, uh, mostly keeping his cool during the, the yeah. course of the, the match. Now that, that uh, late drama, you know, point two late drama again, uh, maybe that shouldn't have been first for the reason that you identified uh, Sarakowski. I'm not VAR, but he was fucking on side. Uh, yeah. Me. Rewatching it. Cause when I saw it, cause I missed the goal happen. Cause I was capping. So I missed it. All of a sudden, I just heard everyone just cheer, and I turn, and there's a ball in the back of the net. And then it seemed as – and then I look, and I see a referee. I saw this, the sideline with the flag up, and I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. Rewatching it, I don't know where the hell that was supposed to be. I, I, I don't know. It was a bad call. But, yes, the it did create some late drama. I felt like even – before the smoke could even sell on the flock and Chattanooga came back and scored. That was great. <laughs> yeah. That, well, yeah, that was, um, that was the other thing that maybe we should have been, uh, it almost felt like it came, it, it didn't come immediately from the kickoff. Um, it, it came from, you know, the ball got played out. They played it back to their keeper and worked it all the way up, but it felt like right on the ensuing kickoff. Uh, like there was a big let up from Madison. I also think, you know, that's, that's a tough one there for a goalkeeper because that was uh, what I'll call a crass, uh, yeah, a cross it, pass. Yeah, it didn't look like it looked like one of those where the ball was going and all of a sudden it just hit the post and went in. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, because yeah. there was no one. I don't know that if that was planned, that is well executed. I don't think that yeah. was planned though. Yeah, so there was a little bit of let up. I think we let them back in the game a little bit too easy. Uh, we should have been in any case, probably been up three, nothing. Um, you know, uh, I was relieved that that was an own goal and I rewatched it again. Uh, Trimmingham didn't touch it on the near post. It, it <laughs> went by him. Um, so I don't have to, you know, uh, further, you know, get glares from people about my Trimmingham stance, um, <laughs> or texts about Keith. Are you really this stubborn from perhaps Flamingo? Uh, yes, I am that stubborn. Uh, and there's with good reason why I live with my dog as people should probably realize about me. I'm, you know, virtually, you know, uncohabitatable with, or something to that effect. Um, but, uh, so a couple of points where there were late dramas though, again, an awesome moment in the flock end because we had, and I don't know if you're capoing, but not only front row seats to, Phil save, but also front row seats to the ball, just barely missing 
Uh, and I'm now blanking on his name, the, the Chattanooga attacker. Yeah, I forgot kind of- also. But I was I was out capoing. I was on the uh, – so you guys were on kind of – if you're looking at it from the flock end, you were on the right side. I was on the opposite end with Sarah Scott and Kyle Griffin. And uh, there's someone else. Was I think Zach was on the capital stand waving his flag. So I was on that side. But seeing that shot go wide, that I ugh, it gave me – it made me rethink things and almost gave me a heart attack. I feel like, and then Phil saves just seeing that point blank, he gets it over. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the whistle blew. I was like, Oh, thank God they held on. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, you were kind of near post. The header comes in, Phil makes the reaction save and not only makes the, the great reaction save, but also does enough with it that it, you know, he pushes it wide, which was, was impressive. Cause that was, you know, he had, that was pure instinct. There's no planning. There's no nothing that goes into that. And so we were on the far post where the Chattanooga attacker comes flying in and you're like, you're, you're see, you know, it was one of those like slow motion moments where you see the ball, you see the guy on the replay. It looks like it, it caught his hand actually. So if it had gone in, it probably wouldn't have, well, it's USL league one refing, So we don't know for sure, but it could have gone in. Right. Um, Paisley, you know, does not approve of USL league one refing, as we all know, she's been on that, you know, particular, uh, train all year. So it was one of those where it was like, just right there, you saw the ball kind of slowly floating. I can only imagine, uh, how long that ball must've floated in the air for Phil Brino after having made that save. Um, but it was, you know, one of those highly, highly dramatic moments. And so it kind of reminded me of that last minute save against Omaha um, just a couple weeks ago where it is point blank. He had to get it and the ball just seemed to not leave the area. It just seemed, it kind of was that slow motion. The ball just seemed to stay in one particular spot for what felt like minutes, even though it was only maybe half a second, you know, and, and the, the case of Phil Brino is a guy that, you know, and, and I don't think there's been much secret made of this. He was brought into, you know, compete with Chris Brady for the number one spot, but most people probably thought if Chris Brady were here all season, he would have been the number one choice. Um, you know, we saw the, the, the best of Brino there uh, earlier in the match, you know, uh, there was a free kick that they kind of just pumped into the middle of nowhere, uh, somewhere in the sixth, seventh minute. And, you know, Brino came out and, and just kind of booted it would be the baseball term out of bounds for a corner kick. And it, w- it was just a total, you know, mental lapse, I would say. And I think if, if you're looking at, you know, Brino over the course of the season, um, you know, I think he, he has the ability to be a, a, you know, top half, top two or three keeper in this league. He's just got to, you know, I think tighten up, make sure he stays focused, not just for 90 minutes, but for, you know, if we're, if we're doing maths here, uh, about 2,620 minutes, I think, is about the length of the season. Maybe a little shorter, uh, maybe 25-20. But in any case, 28 games, right? 28 games this year? Uh, well, no, but it ended up at 27 because Chris, Chris Brady had one game. Oh, yeah, he had, he had one game. Yeah, but, if he, you know, if he's the day-in, day-out right. starter, if he has the matches, one. yeah. Um, 28 matches, 90 minutes a match, you know, do we include injury time? Do we not, you know, you can see where I'm going with this. So in any case, um, you know, for a guy in, in, 
you know, that position, he's got to, I think, lock it down concentration wise. Yeah. I think it's also fair. Like we've seen him make big saves and very difficult saves throughout the season. We've also seen him maybe concede some softer goals, you know, goals, maybe that you would expect him to have saved. The one that kind of stands out to me was the one against North Carolina, where it was one, it kind of was a, I don't know what he, he kind of let too much of the near post go by. So he's definitely had moments like that, but you know, I think we also were spoiled these last two seasons where we had Brian Silvestre, we had Ryan Coulter, we had, I mean, we also had Chris Brady last year. So we've seen a lot of high quality top, top goalkeeper, top two goalkeepers in the league the last few years. So it is also kind of tough because Phil, you know, he is not at that same level as Brian or Ryan or even Chris, but he's still, you know, a solid enough keeper where, other than I'd say Richmond, Greenville, and Chattanooga. Yeah. Well, like, and, I don't and, know. And we know that Omaha obviously has the best keeper in the entire United States. So, so yeah. But, it, it you know, so work. we'll leave that one out, right? When we discuss this. Yeah. I, so there are a lot of teams that could use a Phil Perino and it would be an upgrade for them or at the very least it would be the same level. So, and I think that's something that we also have to realize as well is we have seen some great goalkeepers come through and not to say that Phil isn't a great goalkeeper, but he is a very good one. Yeah. And I just think, you know, he's not there yet. I think this was probably as well his first season as a full-time starter. Um, You know, he started before. And so, you know, that, that comes with its own unique set of challenges for, for a goalkeeper, you know, maintaining that level over, you know, and, and goalkeeping is different, right? Um, you know, uh, how many times even does Aaron Malloy give the ball away in the midfield? Right. Uh, but for a guy like Phil Brino, you, you're not allowed those mistakes. You know, I was thinking about, even I was watching the warmups, um, and I, I, it, it may have actually been the Tucson game and you watched, um, you know, the, the field players warm up and it was okay. You know, they, pass it. And sometimes it'd be with the left foot. And sometimes it would be the right with the right foot. And then you'd watch the Tucson goalkeeper and they'd play a ball and he'd have to receive it on the left foot and then have to play it out with his left foot, have to receive it on the right. And so just the, the precision level for goalkeepers in many cases, and being able to maintain that over the course of the year is, is a step. And so, you know, hopefully Phil can, can make that step. Speaking of making steps, um, how much should we read into the, the last three matches um, and, and, you know, this is kind of our third point is reading into looking at the tea leaves, staring into our crystal balls. A uh, couple of things there, you know, at the end of the match one, how much should we read into Omaha, Tucson, uh, uh, Chattanooga down the stretch for the future of forward Madison? I, I think at the very least the Omaha and Tucson, and you can even go further back to the Richmond and even the refs two game prior the last five matches. We've seen the team give a shit and give it their all and seem to have that edge that wasn't there for a good chunk of the summer and September. So it is good to see at the very least that this team, especially against Chattanooga, they could have not gone all out. They could have, already mentally have been thinking of the end of the season, but they didn't. And I think it was at the very least, it was more of a theme as well. Um, I know it was asked on talking flock, but 
Ford Madison did really well against these playoff teams. You know, they've beaten Omaha twice. They beat Richmond once. They've beaten Chattanooga. They didn't lose to Chattanooga in their two matches. They didn't lose to Greenville. I, I was going to say, other, other than Richmond, they had either even the season series. Oh, and North Texas. But North Texas, they lost and drew. Richmond, they won once, drew once, lost twice. Greenville, two draws. Tucson, two draws. Chattanooga, a draw and a win. Omaha, two wins, a draw and a loss. That's pretty good against the top half of the team. So I think it it does say something that at the very least, they are capable of beating these teams. I think the biggest issue, you know, was too many draws and how much do these last three matches play into next year? I don't know just because how many of these guys are going to be back next year. If Carl's going to be back, like how many, how much of this team that we saw is coming back next year. The only one that seems likely is Aaron Malloy because he had a two year deal. And that's assuming no one comes with the Brinks truck of cash for the front for big top to, yeah. you know, have, yeah, no, Malloy. I mean, I, I would, if I were a championship side, I'd be looking at, right. Malloy. So, at the very least, you're thinking, I don't know how much of this team comes back, but at the but it just showed that they gave a shit and they fought. And I think that was something that we lacked for a good chunk of the season. And I, I don't know. I think at the very least can give the fans something to feel positive about. Like we can play with these top teams. We just saw we played three playoff teams, got two wins and a draw. And that draw was coming back from two nil down. So there is fight. There is at the very least, knowing that this team can't compete with them. It's just a matter of now you got to be consistent. So um, let's talk about, you know, three playoff teams down the stretch. Um, you know, we, we saw Chattanooga. Uh, we saw Omaha. Uh, Omaha's Chattanooga has struggled a little bit down the stretch. And so for, you know, if you want to put on your walk in 90 cap or, or big picture, how much should we read into this this run of of results we saw from forward into for those teams that did make the playoffs into their playoff hopes and dreams? Wait, repeat that one more time. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think you know, of it. Think about kind of form down the stretch uh, for Chattanooga, for Omaha, uh, uh, okay. for yeah. Tucson. Uh, do we, do we see this as an auger of, of maybe, you know, right now Omaha is the number one seed. Do we see them winning it all? Or, you know, Chattanooga was two seed that, that loss put them into three seed. Is this maybe more damaging than we think it might be otherwise? What, what I think for Chattanooga? Yeah. Because Chattanooga was at one point competing with Omaha for the one seed. And in the last month of matches, they've just, they needed six points in their final six games and they couldn't do it. So yeah, there's definitely... I would be concerned if I was Chattanooga. Now you got to play North Texas. So that's going to be tough. Tucson is Tucson's a weird team because it seemed as though they're going to cruise into the playoffs heading into October. And then they lost a couple matches, got the draw against four bats where they blew the lead. And then they come and just blow the doors off of Richmond getting four goals. I don't know what Tucson Tucson's just going to be a anytime, any place kind of team. They, they might win against Richmond again, they might lose. They could win the whole thing if they get hot. I don't know. With Omaha, I, I think they did get the one seed. It was earned, you know, after 28 games, if you get the one seed, it's prop, it is deserved. However, I still am leaning towards Greenville um, as a likely favorite just because it, when it comes to this time, it's going. you need to be as well organized. And Greenville has been to the final in 2019. 
They won the championship in 2020. They know what it takes to get there. So I, I think Omaha will be fine. At least them getting that first round by at the very least gives them a chance to rest up. But I don't know. Chattanooga, I'd be worried about because losing games and dropping points when they didn't need to kind of same with revs too. Like those are two teams that they probably are going to look at, look back at the season, and kick themselves for blowing that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, so I'm with you on Greenville as my favorites going into the, into the final um, for, you know, this very similar reasons organization. I also just, if you're like, you know, you have to choose between Jay Mims or uh, uh, John Harks to manage your team for one match to save, you know, to, to save the universe um, against the team of aliens. I'm picking John Harks over Jay Mims um, mostly because, you know, John Harks doesn't look like he's going to cry after a, every interview, um, you know, personal call on my part, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, Chattanooga is an interesting case because they won a lot. They, they, they kind of had the opposite of forward Madison in some ways, right? If forward Madison dropped during that stretch, a lot of points at the depth at the death, uh, Chattanooga won a lot of matches at the death. And so, you know, on one hand that could be as, as, you know, we've talked about a little bit of the Liverpool, you know, mentality monster thing that you've got going on. Or it could be, you know, uh, we're we're seeing reversion to the mean now, right? I was going to say it could be a reversion. There's only so many matches that you can get goals that late consistently. At some point, you are going to run out of that devil's magic. Yeah, and so you know, my my guess is that's what we saw that a little bit. You know, because of those goals, they they flattered to deceive in in, in that way, right? Um, and so. You know, and I think that's one of the things about League One is, you know, I, I think over the last two years we've seen probably Greenville and Omaha are the the class of League One. Um, you know, I would say they're probably a group of four or five teams that are hanging around. Right now, Madison is not one of those four or five teams, I would say. But, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, I was going to say there's probably Greenville and Omaha, and then there's probably a next section where – that is the Richmond Chattanooga um, here. And then I feel like Tucson is still in that weird. I don't know yet. Yeah. I, I feel like Tucson, you know, if they, if they're firing on all cylinders there, they could even be a tier one team, um, you know, but sometimes they're a tier. If we're doing, you know, depending bottom tier team, right. Last tier um, if they're not playing well. And, and so they have a high standard deviation. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, it's like, uh, you know, you can see Trimmingham, you know, get in on a breakaway and put one in the first row, or he can lob the keeper from, from 40 yards. You just don't know what you're going to get. It's all over the place in terms of finishing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I think about, you know, where Tucson is now. The other thing that happened at the end of the match, um, you know, uh, Connor, Connor Tobin gave a, a, uh, first of all, you know, had a, had a, a, you know, kind of long period on, on the field, hugging, you know, both Neil Flavati, um, and, you know, cowboy Neil at the wheel and, and coach, uh, coach Craig, Carl Craig, Craig Carl. And before, you know, making his way over to, over to the flock, he gave a, a, you know, very good speech, a little of which we'll, we'll hear here. Oh, you guys are thinking for that. This is what makes it special. Just look around and look at like 
what you guys are building and the sense of community. This you don't have to be a you don't have to be a football fan. You don't need to like any of this stuff. You gotta like this. You gotta like making Madison a better place. And when it means something more than that, that's what it's fucking about, and it's fucking incredible. I love you guys. This is awesome. it was one of those where it kind of felt like the fans knew this was potentially the last hurrah turbo. Maybe think maybe thought in the back of his head, this could be the last hurrah. Cause a lot of it is, I mean, there's so many factors. One is turbo going to want to play next year. Two is the front office going to bring him back. It is still, there's so many other factors, especially for us as a fans that we're not going to have much influence or say on, like we can definitely say we would love to have him back. Cause I think everyone would love to have him back. He still has, the quality to be in this league, but, and, and, you know, maybe it, it was funny though. I was listening to walking 90 the other night and, and, uh, Elliot from Richmond was ribbing you that he's slow. And he, slow doesn't matter when you're getting all these clearances and able to block every shot possible. Like slow doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, you know, as you know, four defenders and, and he did have that one, was it against Tucson or, or, uh, yeah, Tucson, where he actually, you know, tracked down a much younger attacker and in a, a foot race, he was right there. And as well, you know, um, how well are you reading the game? Those those sorts of things play in. You know, a guy like uh, Franco Baresi or Paulo Maldini can play for forever and ever. Um, you know, again, I think that's the second time this year I've compared him to Baresi. Um, let's not get carried away, Keith, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if Barese was like the prototypical, like elegant defender, I feel like, uh, you know, Connor Tobin is Barese assembled with like duct tape and, and cardboard, but you know, uh, gets the job done is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, you can, you can get by longer as a defender, but th- there are so many, um, exterior things you know he played the end of the 2019 season with a torn rotator cuff you know does he want to put the work in in the off season is part of it still too you know at at 35 in order to prepare your body you know you look at the guys that are still playing in the premier league i think of you know cristiano ronaldo uh james milner you know these are physical specimens still uh is that what you know connor Tobin wants to do in the off season is maintain that and, you know, keep himself in that kind of shape. I don't know, you know? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know either. Like, that's why I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, that's just a lot to put on your body. And like I said, I would love for him to come back. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't whether it's by his choice or the front office. But I I think what we saw though, at the end of that match was someone that really gave their all and cared for this team, cared for the city, cared for the fans. I mean, you saw it like he was going, like he was going down and greeting everyone and talking to everyone came over to flock and gave a rousing speech. and was still talking to people. Like even when the flock was packing up and leaving, he was still at the end. He, he, I don't think he got to the locker room until maybe like 30 minutes after the match ended. So I, I think it was just one of those where the connection that he has made with this city, with this team, with the fans, it, it was, I don't think words will put justice to it at all. So, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the one 
disappointing thing about that end, well, too, you know, that it wasn't in a in a you know playoff or championship game, uh, was also you know he did his final chug after a home victory, and uh, they didn't give him a thirty two ounce beer. I mean, what what the hell kind of organization are we running here? I mean, they gave him two, like he had two beers. I it was funny because it looked like he was looking for the beer and it's like, well, there's someone literally standing right next to it, the beer. But he wanted. He was looking for a second beer, and that's when I was like, "Oh, that's what we're doing." But yeah, the thirty-two ounce. I, I, because I that's know. what he, he he usually does. The thirty-two ounce. Doesn't yeah. He? I mean, th- this is you know, uh, frankly, frankly, you know, we are. This is why Zach needs to be on it at all times. Like Zach yeah. would not have let this happen. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a D three team, you know, but beer in Wisconsin is always a D one activity. It is a Premier League, Bundesliga activity here. It's not. It's not, you know, it's not low, low rent. Beer is always a Premier League activity. Uh, speaking of Premier League activities, we're going to be doing one more just kind of recap podcast uh, of the year next year. Um, you know, we might do something special. I doubt it. Um, yeah. We're probably just going <laughs> to, yeah, we're just going to ramble at each other. You're getting into uh, Bucks podcasting season, right? Which is, um, brew hoop pod right if i uh, have that correctly and yep we are in buck season even though the bucks i don't even think the bucks are in buck season right now i can't name everyone seems to be hurt or sick or something there is it's Giannis and everyone else and i don't well it's like the the greek uh two 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 man basketball team with Giannis and his brother uh, coming it, out right it's honestly those two and grace allen wisconsin's favorite player <laughs> <laughs> um now now uh we're recording this on tuesday night so you have to get back to watching uh the bucks and the detroit pistons huh watching is a very casual way of putting it i will i will have it on i'm probably gonna do some shores in the meantime while this is on in the background this game it- is is it's it probably watching, not going to be good. Huh? Is it is watching it more of a chore than doing your chores? Yes, probably. Like if I had to write for it, I would. Oh man, if I had to write for this game, that would be brutal. And I'm sure. And it's either going to be a absolute clown show of a mess, or it's going to be a blowout. Um, you had a, a, a lively uh, Twitter exchange about this with old old friend of the pod, uh, Weston from uh, Lansing, and and the. Uh, um, League One Unfiltered podcast. Uh, you know, uh, how, how is good friend of, of, of the pod who, uh, you know, showed us up, canceled on us as a, as a guest doing? He is good, uh, struggling to watch Detroit teams. I don't know how he's still a sports fan, has some big life things happening. Uh, he's, he's good. He's good. I, I told him he needs to come, to, I, he needs to come to Wisconsin again. Um, because yeah, I, I didn't get to see him last year when he uh, came for the. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I did hear uh, from, uh, you know, that Cam's wish that he finally have a child has has been accomplished. So uh, I saw that. The, yes. The, the the nursery painting on the Internet. So next week, we'll probably should give be you more. should be arriving soon. Next week, uh, we'll probably give you more of the same crap that you've become accustomed to. Um, you know, thanks for uh, listening to us this year. We'll give you a recap. Uh, thanks for you know, uh, our, our loyal listeners. I think we have like four listeners is what I've gathered. Um, you know, at least that's, what we at least know. have four or five <laughs> and you know, there's at um, least, I think there's five. Yeah. 
And so, you know, anytime we can have more listeners than we have guests on the pod, I feel like we've really accomplished something. I think we're somewhere in the seventies in episodes. Um, my episode numbering system is haphazard at best, um, which is quite frankly on purpose, uh, because, you know, uh, just, you know, for, for everybody that, you know, listens, we, we appreciate it. Uh, we hope you've, you've learned something you've laughed, you've cried, you've loved this year. Um, you know, when you're here, your family until next time, I say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs>